Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And I have an echo here. Let me see what I can do. Okay, is that better? Okay, so good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Whether you're here in person or listening to this recording later, uh, we're so happy to have you join us for this awareness meditation. I now invite you to focus your attention on this time and this space as we prepare to share this meditation time and engage in this practice. You may want to start by placing your attention on the environment around you. What are the sounds you hear? I hear the hum of the appliances and the hum of the fan. The sights you see as you look around. I can see hummingbirds right outside my window at my feeder. What's the temperature of the air and how does it feel on your skin? Is there anything else that's drawing your attention right now? Just focus on that. Take that in for a, a few moments. Now I invite you to come in closer. What is your body resting on? Are your feet on the floor, propped up somewhere? What does it feel like under your feet? Your back where you're, you're resting against a chair or whatever you're leaning on. How about the clothes on your skin? Put your attention there for just a moment. What is that like? Now we'll continue to draw our attention inward. You may next want to focus your attention on your breath. Some suggest in yoga that you count five, five counts in as you breathe in and five counts out as you breathe out. For other people, it's four counts. For some people, it may be more. The goal for this is to just have slow, even breathing, whatever is comfortable for your body in this time and space. So bring your attention to your breath for a few moments as we engage in this practice. We're already engaging in meditation. Now, as we continue to put our attention within, are there any thoughts present? Maybe thoughts about what the day has already brought to you or what you have to do today, what your plans are, all those things. No need to follow those thoughts. Just be aware that they're there and we'll let them pass through. Are there any emotions present? Again, just be aware that they're there. No need to follow through or give them energy. Just know that your attention is on there. We know it's not helpful to resist or attach to our emotions or our thoughts. So we just wanna allow them to be here. I now invite you to focus your attention on that awareness that is aware of all and encompasses all. This awareness encompasses and is aware of what is perceived in your outer world, all those sense sensations, as well as what's in your inner world, your thoughts and emotions and your breath. What is that awareness? We're now focusing our attention there rather than on 
all the stimuli and all the objects in the awareness. And we know that this awareness accepts everything that is here, loves everything that is here. The awareness accepts and loves all the body sensations, the thoughts, emotions, all of our experiences. And because awareness accepts and loves all, Awareness welcomes all. There's nothing that the awareness does not welcome. So I propose to you that if everything is included in awareness, it stands to reason that the ego is also part of awareness and is accepted and loved and even welcomed by that awareness. This may be something new that you haven't thought about before. I know many of us have had um, what I'd call a conflictual relationship with our ego over time. There's, there's some uh, um, teachings that tell us that we have to get away from our ego, overcome our ego, leave our ego. And yet, if awareness encompasses all, and we want to be aware of awareness, you may want to consider the proposition that part of awareness welcomes and accepts the ego as much as it accepts our minds, our personalities, and all that it is, all that it sees in the environment around us, all that it experiences, all that we experience. Recently, Reverend Carroll, who some of you may know, suggested we could thank our ego. For me, that was a new thought. I hadn't quite thought of that before, but it made sense. And it seems like the next step for us to take in loving and accepting the ego. So at this point, I invite you just to take a few moments to think about that, to think about if you're able to thank your ego and what would that look like? How would you go about doing that? Are you ready for that? You may not be ready for that. If thanking the ego doesn't make sense, you may want to start with just accepting the ego at this point. That would be the first step. Gratitude may come later. So you may be asking at this point, what are we thanking the ego for? After all, hasn't the ego given us a lot of problems? Given us stories, and then it changes the story. It's like, oh, no, wait, not that, but this. Something else is going on. And sometimes when we've listened to the ego or paid attention and followed those stories, we've gotten in trouble just as often as the ego kept us from putting our hand on a hot stove or running across the street without looking when we were young children. So I suggest to you that it's not what the ego tells us, but it's the attention we pay to what the ego tells us. It's following those stories following all those things that come, come with the ego or as a result of the ego. So 
So in our awareness, we can welcome the ego itself and we can thank the ego for the information it gives us. That's all it is, is giving us information as ego perceives the information. Now we know ego is not awareness, so ego doesn't have all the information. It can only give us information that it perceives based on the programming and conditioning that has gone on since birth. Since we came into this world, our ego starts working for us. The ego is what teaches the little babies that if they cry, they get attention. They touch something that is hot, it might burn, so they'll pull back. All that is the beginning of programming this ego. So the ego can give us attention, give us information, and then we choose through our inner guide, through awareness, what we do with this information. So the ego itself is not good or bad, it just is. And I know for me personally, that's been something I've um, gone back and forth with over the years. Well, first, we go through the stage of recognizing the ego and understanding that there is an ego and that the ego is not us, it's not the self. And then there are some that will tell us that we have to overcome the ego, which sounds like we're going to go to battle with the ego. And I've learned when I've tried to overcome the ego or suppress the ego for myself, the ego gets more active and gets louder and gets scared and starts finding more things to, to worry about. Gives me more of those messages. So when we accept the ego and just acknowledge that it is here and that it is just doing a job, just doing the job that it was programmed and taught to do, So with this attitude, you may want to think about how the ego has maybe helped you, maybe kept you out of trouble, and maybe acknowledge that the times you got into trouble were, were those times that you followed the stories of the ego and got involved in something that probably was not in your best interest. And understand, you may want to understand or think about that the ego makes up stories because it doesn't know, it doesn't have all the information. It only has what's in front of it, whatever stimulation, whatever thoughts pass through, whatever emotions, whatever experiences. So it perceives all this and then goes back to the conditioning and programming. So say, hey, wait a minute, that might not be in your best interest. This might be harmful, or maybe that person didn't really mean that. Maybe they really meant something else. So if we can consider and accept all that, and then come back to accepting that we make the choice whether to follow the story or not follow the story. So, what I suggest is that you may want to thank the ego first because the ego's intention is to keep us safe. That's all it was given or in, embedded in the human psyche for, was to keep the human being safe. So thank it for its intention to keep you, keep you safe. And then thank your ego for the information. You know, sometimes I say, and I, I have a name for my ego, which was a whole other process. But my ego's name is Kathy. And I'll say, oh, Kathy, that's right. Thank you for sharing that with me, but I'll take over now. Holy Spirit or inner guide or self, whatever term you use for that higher part of you is in charge. And you don't have to worry about it, Kathy, ego. 
So part of what this may do, I might suggest, is that it gives your ego the relief that it's not going to be annihilated, that you're not trying to destroy it. Because let's face it, we can't destroy it. The more we try to resist it, destroy it, let it go, ignore it, whatever, whatever other term you've come across or have used, it doesn't work. It makes the ego stronger and louder because the ego gets stronger and louder out of fear. Just like the little kid gets stronger and louder when you start, you don't want to pay attention to it or you, you know, put the child in a timeout sometimes, or I know sometimes with my dogs even. I don't want to spend the time with them or I don't have time to pay attention to them. It seems like they bark louder to get my attention, to look at whatever it is that she's focused on. The ego is very similar. It only takes information and spits it out back to us. It doesn't really have the ability to process the information to decide, is this situation true, not true? That's where we come in with our higher self, our inner guide, awareness. Ego is part of awareness, but ego is not awareness. So we want to accept this all and love it all. And think about ways that our ego has helped us. The ego has served us. And it may or may not be helpful for you to give your ego a name. myself when I went through the stage a couple years ago of okay recognizing accepting the ego gave the ego a name actually with the help of inner guidance I asked inner guidance you know what do I call this can't just keep saying ego or it so I came up with the name of awareness came up or inner guidance came up with the name of Kathy there's probably a relationship or something there. My middle name is Catherine. So that made sense. And then later on, going through gentle healing and looking at some of the things in there and contemplating, decided, well, if I gave the ego a name, I was giving it energy. And so then I wasn't going to use that name anymore. For me, what I found is the ego got louder. Like, hey, wait a minute, what about me? And I had more agitation, more anxiety, and I couldn't figure out why. And then it dawned on me that the ego was still there. The ego is as much a part of me as. My body is a part of me. My mind is a part. All of this is part of awareness. Now, awareness is me, the self, capital M, capital I. But awareness encompasses all these other things while I'm having this human experience. So that was, that's been my journey. I don't know what your journey has been. These are just some things to think about. I can tell you what I found is since I have come back to acknowledging the ego is there and at the same time not putting attention on the ego, like we were learning to do with, with our thoughts and our emotions. Yes, it's there. It's a part of us. I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to destroy you. You've done a good job. You give me information. The information may be correct. 
it may not be correct. Higher self will decide that. So if you come to a place where you can accept the ego as part of awareness, You see the ego or you hear the ego's voice, however it comes through for you, just like we do with our thoughts. Just say, oh, step back a minute. The ego is in awareness and awareness is in charge. Thank you, ego, for the information. Self will take over. I will take over. Inner guide will take over. Eventually, you may even come to the point where you can kind of play with this, this ego phenomenon. Sometimes I give the ego tasks to keep it busy so it won't get upset and disturb. Make stories out of all the other things that happen. It may be as simple like, remind me to take my vitamins every day because I might forget. Gives the ego something to do and I can thank the ego for that reminder. There may be other things. So I invite you now before I Turn this back over to Anne to just think about accepting the ego, what that would be like for you. And what, if anything, you can thank the ego for in this moment, in this time. And remember that the ego is part of awareness. Awareness welcomes all. Awareness even welcomes if you're not ready to accept the ego. Awareness welcomes if you're not ready to thank the ego. Awareness just takes it all in. And with that, and when you're ready, you can come come back on. And we'll mute. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. So we can just continue with that contemplation that we are what knows. Are we not? When ego is active, we are what knows when ego falls silent. And there's an inherent knowing. We don't really do the knowing. There's just an in inherent recognition. Ego's never listening to itself. If ego's talking, that egoic mechanism, those egoic energies are moving. What sees them? What hears them? what knows them. For instance, is there a movement of mind right now 
in our direct experience. So if there is a movement of mind, if ego is chattering away, you awareness hear that, do you not? If there's a pause, can't really hear the thoughts right now. What knows that? You know that. You awareness knows that. And when it kicks back in, you will continue to be present. You are present before that egoic mechanism arises. Thoughts in the head, chatter, images, energies. The whole complex of the swirl. You're there when it begins, though that may not be recognized, may not be recognized until it's full going. Is there ever a point where ego gets so loud that you awareness is no longer there? And if that's the sense you have, what is it that knows ego is getting so loud? How is that known? I was in a class yesterday and one of the participants was sharing that um, he couldn't do the exercise because he was absent. He said, he said I just wasn't present. So I understand from that, that there was kind of this dysregulated experience, this feeling, but what was there that noticed an absence of whatever faculties or regulated system that was expected? Where was that reporting from? I wasn't even present. No, the you you think you are wasn't present. But the actual you, the you that's not a you at all, the you that is this impersonal awareness, was there the whole time. There's something always noticing. And when that which is noticed is unexpected or uncomfortable, or you know, even more towards the uncomfortable end of, of painful, difficult, wrenching, there's a tendency to fall for the thought that our presence was eclipsed by the circumstances. And that can be certainly a part of what seems like it's happening. But there is a place in each of us which is untouched by the content or experience.
there is something always observing this movie of the character. There's a screen, so to speak, that the movie projects onto. Sometimes the attention gets pulled in so fast with that surge of energy that it doesn't seem available to put attention on what notices all that. But the fact is what notices all that is noticing all that. That's why it's disturbing. We truly didn't know it was happening. We wouldn't have a reaction. So regardless of the content of the egoic messaging of the day, either you're fabulous or you suck or someone else is fabulous and way better than you or they suck, no matter what combination of judgments ego twists around, no matter what information it gives, There's a place in each of us which is untouched by that content. And when I intend to get in touch with that place, I can truly thank the ego. Appreciate its efforting. Appreciate the fact that I played an integral part in programming that for years, relied on that. Years gave it the job of keeping me safe and happy. And I can now withdraw that assignment. Appreciate the fact that it's still functioning choose to put attention on what notices. I can choose to preference the permanent over the temporary, the lasting over the fleeting. I do that by just asking, you know, to what does this arise? What hears the birds? What feels the legs on the chair? Watch as attention just kind of falls back. Because there's a place in each of us which is untouched by the content of our experience. And so the first question is, do we will to know that place? Without the intention, I'm not sure I ever notice. It's, it's not obvious and it doesn't jump up to get attention. I have to first intend to bring attention inward and to see the scene, to know the knowing, to observe 
that observing is happening. So the first question is, am I still interested right now? And it's an honest question in contrast in the push me, pull me that the world offers continuously. And I notice there is often still interest in that. So I can notice that. But I can often then ask, is that what I really want? Like, what do I want to experience right now? Do I want the peace of God? Because to say it is nothing and to mean it, to have that intention, that genuine intention is everything. You're giving attention permission to withdraw from its current programmed outward attention. That trajectory that just keeps going out to check that you're safe, out to see if there's something better you could get, out to see if someone needs you, out to see... It's just, that's the programming. So without the intention to turn that attention inward, for most of us, there isn't yet a deep neural pathway that reverses outward attention. It's not automatic. We have yet to reverse the decades and decades and decades and decades of outward attention. So we begin now with the intention to do that sacred U-turn, bring that attention back in, if that intention is alive. And we energize that intention by getting clear within ourselves that right now, we really do want to notice from where noticing is happening. We do want to get curious about this capacity for awareness and what it is that's aware of that, how it is we can become aware of this background of awareness. You know, it's like being in the, I don't know if you've ever done this in the movie theater, but at some point you unglue your eyeballs from the screen and you follow the ray of light that's just kind of darting through the darkness, scene by scene. And you follow the light back overhead and behind you into the projection room. You seek the source of the stream of information, of the projection. What allows all of this to be known? What allows you to be constantly aware 
of all that is here to be aware of. So maybe we just look at the awareness as it is right now, taking in the various streams of stimuli, including whatever information the ego is offering. We just feel into that receiving. Notice all the different streams you're receiving from. smells or the sniffer that tells you there's a lack of smells. The taste or again the, the taste that detects no detectable taste. the touch, whether your hands and your fingers are touching something or whether they're touching nothing, you know that. You awareness know not only the position of your hands, but whether there is any stimulus coming through from the touching or whether there's a lack of stimulus. You know instantly when that changes. You don't have to look. That's how precise and in time the nervous system is about sending the signals. To what? To you. To the ultimate receiver. To that ongoing knowingness that you did not turn on this morning when you woke up. It's just on. That same knowingness that allowed my friend in the class to know that he did not know himself the way he normally knows himself in presence. The fact that he described it as a lack of presence belies the fact that he was present to that. So what are we present to right now? So there's sounds and then there's, whether the eyes are closed or open, is there not light filtering through your eyelids? Is it completely black? Or are you awareness aware that there are these things called eyelids through which light is filtering? So we let go of the idea that there's light. We let go of the idea that there's eyelids. Drop those labels. And just be with what is. Awareness, aware 
of not only itself, but concomitantly the entire content of awareness. There's a place in each of us which is untouched by the content of our experience. Can you confirm that in your direct experience? That that which is looking right now is untouched, unaffected, by what it's looking at. That the looking itself remains the same. It's in the same condition, in the same state, this wide, open, empty, alert, transparent, available, knowingness. Is that knowingness untouched by the content of experience? Or is it somehow colored or conditioned by the content of experience? So we're looking right at what's looking. Is the what's looking affected by the everything or the nothing that it's looking at? And even if there's nothing, is the what's looking not still in the same state as it is when it's looking at all kinds of stuff. That what's looking is our true nature, is it not? This is what's always here. This is what Ramana Maharshi calls the I-I, because this is what you came in with. Before you learned a concept of being a body-mind personality, separate from the world, your caregivers, your dog, your toys, this is what was here before the me idea. The me notion, the I thought. This is what's here prior to what we call ego. Ego is simply the movement of mind. Thought objects, right? Thought energy, thought bubbles, I think Eckhart Tolle calls them. This is prior to that. And it's our nature because we didn't make it. We were given it. 
You didn't cultivate this. You didn't develop this. You have nothing to do with this. It's just given. This, the what's looking, is divine expression. Looking through this individuated body-mind organism that you call you. But this spark of divinity is what makes everything else possible. If not for this, we fade to black. This what's looking is the light of God. Creation illuminating an us. And we don't light the lamp every morning. This eternal flame keeps burning. Forms come and go. The forms which are illuminated by the flame rise and fall. Every form has a beginning and an end. Awareness, this divine spark of sentience, we can find neither a beginning nor an end in our direct experience. We've all heard stories about times before we were here and our date of birth and all of that's in memory to be sure. But in our direct experience, what we can empirically investigate. We have never found a beginning nor an end. We just confirm the ongoingness of it. The here and now, the here now, here now, here now, faster than you can even say here now. That's our direct experience. There's a place in each of us which is absolutely untouched by the content of our experience. It's a, it's a place of peace that lies just behind the mind, prior to mind. prior to the senses, prior to the stimulus, certainly prior to the responses. What's necessary to recognize this place of peace in ourselves 
is to gently let go of attention to the content of experience and allow ourselves to sink into the depth of our being. To sink into the recognition of our true nature. And the trick is we can't go find this peace because whatever we find would be a thought or a sensation or a feeling. We can't go outward and find it. We'll only find an object. We can only be this place of peace knowingly. And how we be this place of peace knowingly. All that's necessary is to continually and assiduously let go of everything that is not essential to us. We let go of everything temporary, which means we let go of attention on form. On that which rises and falls. And we intend to keep attention back only on what's essential. What doesn't come and go? What's absolutely changeless? What's always here? Unaffected. Untouched by the content of our experience. And that concludes our hour together.
I want to thank Mary.